I'm Yamilka Rodriguez, and this is the Brand Therapist Podcast, where we come together and deep dive into the psychology of branding. We live in a new era that asks us to step up and show our individuality, learn what makes us unique and different in this world. Let's open the door to possibilities so you can win in business, life, and relationships, because everything starts with you. Hello, and welcome to the Brand Therapist Podcast. I am so excited to have my guest, Wayne, here today with me. But before we get started, I'm going to read his bio really quickly. So Wayne is a husband, father of four. Man, you have four children. I had uh, two brothers and one sister, so I know what it is to grow up in a house of four children. Um, Entrepreneur and the founder of Ugly Mug Marketing, which we want to know all about what that is. Creator of the Freelance Accelerator and author of Full Circle Marketing. He's an out-of-the-box, against-the-grain thinker, and it has more than paid off for his company and clients. Exactly. How do you differentiate, right? He leads from the heart and is passionate and unapologetic about doing so. As founder of Ugly Mug Marketing, he's inspired clients from more than 100 industries, and his work directly influences more than 250K entrepreneurs a year. Wow, that's huge, huge, Wayne. Well, we want to know from you, what is Ugly Mug Marketing all about? Sure. Thank you so much uh, for having me. I'm excited for this conversation today. So Ugly Mug Marketing, um, we are, I guess some would define us as a boutique marketing agency. Uh, We are a fairly small agency. There's 12 of us full-time, and we've been fortunate to work with clients around the world at any point in time. You know, we've got clients kind of scattered across the country for sure. And right now we have clients from, you know, California to New York and everywhere in between. So it's been a fun adventure over the last 14 years. You say here you're unapologetic, you go against the grain, you're out of the box thinker. How does that translate? You know, we live in a world in the marketing or ad agency world where Beautiful and creative things are what everyone tends to gravitate towards. And just in the name itself, Ugly Mug Marketing is kind of contrarian. It's kind of against the grain. It causes people to you know, sit back and question, like, what is it about them that makes them different? Why do they call their name Ugly Mug Marketing? And yet some of what they do is certainly not ugly. And I think that for us... That serves as our North Star. In other words, the name Ugly Mug Marketing, it actually comes from a quote by this gentleman of the name David Ogilvy of Ogilvy and Mather. And so David had a quote that was, I would rather an ad that's ugly, but effective over one that's beautiful, but isn't. And that North Star for us keeps us centered on what matters most. And at the end of the day, that's results for our clients. Yes, I love that thought in thinking about making things different and saying, we just want something that's effective versus beautiful. And I think about that correlating that with form follows function. I'm an industrial designer at heart. You know, that's where I started. Well, I really started in graphic and then moved into industrial, but I learned that for me, everything has to be beautiful, but it also has to function, 
right? If it doesn't function, then there's no purpose of having something that just sits there, unless it's a piece of art, right? Or something that you you want to show off, but something that you want to use every day, it's very difficult if it doesn't really function correctly or appropriately. So let me ask you this, because it wouldn't be a brand therapist podcast if we didn't talk about childhood. So tell me a story about your childhood and how that influenced what you do today. Sure. So I'm of the baseball card generation. So baseball cards were a big thing when I was growing up. And I remember getting baseball cards for Christmas. And I would take these baseball cards. And as you know, there's there's lots of different players, lots of different teams. And all of my friends had various teams or various players that were their favorites. And so they wanted certain cards. Well, I would take those cards and I would basically pay my friends baseball cards to go out and collect aluminum cans for me. So soda pop cans, Coca-Cola cans. And I would then take those cans and go sell them and make money from selling and recycling the cans. So in the early days, I had this idea and this notion that if you help people get the things that they want or solve the problems that they have, everyone wins in those situations. And so for me, I was able to help my friends get the cards that they wanted. And in exchange, I was able to then take the cans that they brought me and go sell those for money, which is what I wanted. And I didn't necessarily care about the same players they cared about. So it worked out for everybody. Oh, that's wonderful. And where did you grow up? I grew up in Alexandria, Louisiana area, actually across the river in a town called Pineville. And our office is in Alexandria, which again, right across the river. And I haven't made it far. Oh, wow. So you're in Louisiana. So you're in the Southern part of the United States. I'm in Kentucky and a lot of people think I'm Southern, but we're kind of like, I think we're more Midwest, to be honest. We're not completely there. Yes, we have grits and things like that, but I don't think it defines it by just, you know, having grits. I think it defines it by the culture. And I think the culture here is not as Southern as some of the Southern states. But let me ask you this. I pulled out your card. You did a quiz for me right before you got on the podcast and you're a hero. I don't know if you knew that or read more into it, but I wanted to read what the hero definition is. And I want to talk about the value words and how you define those value words. So the hero sees the world as a challenge and is attracted to experiences that offer great opportunity to conquer, protect, and uphold. The motivation is competition. The need is to achieve, to receive a challenge. And the fear is being defeated. The behaviors it saves the day, works to be strong and competent, and motivates others to achieve. How does that sound? That sounds pretty spot on. <laughs> oh, great. The quiz is working. I'm going to ask you these words, and I want you to tell me what these words mean to you, right? So courageous. I would say that it's stepping out despite fear or in spite of the fear, stepping out doing the thing that you know you should do, even though maybe you're uncomfortable doing that thing. Exactly. Driven. Driven, I would leave, I would define that as there's something bigger, there's a purpose that you are pursuing, and there's this internal drive or internal motivation, I guess, that is pushing you or maybe it's pulling you towards that purpose that you have. Self-reliant. I would almost exchange that word for me personally with stubbornness sometimes. I'm very independent. I don't like asking for help. I believe I can do it on my own. And 
you know, I would rather suffer for a longer period of time trying it on my own than to ask somebody for help sometimes. That's great. That self-awareness right there. Persistent. Never giving up. Keeping on going. And determined. Very similar. Determination, you know, I think ties into persistent and both of those work in conjunction, again, tying back to that bigger purpose, the thing that you are driven towards or you're pursuing. So I think both of those tie together. That's great. You know, I I think um, my last person was a caregiver and the opposite of caregiver is hero. So that is very, very interesting as we go through this. And I've been getting different ones, which is great, right? Sometimes you just get one type and it's just interesting to see the realm of the different personalities. So if I asked you, what is your brand all about? What would you say? Yeah, I would say it kind of ties into what you mentioned in the bio. So it's this against the grain thinker, kind of a bit rebellious, kind of a bit um, contrarian to what is popular and what maybe other people would prescribe or how they would offer solutions to a problem. Those are the words I would use to define it. And what would you say is your greatest fear? My greatest fear, you know, is probably going to tie back into my kids. So with four kids, my wife and I have, um, we only get one shot at this thing called parenting in terms of helping sculpt and train them before they become adults. You know, it's roughly 18 years, depending on how long they're with us at our home. And, you know, I don't want to mess that up. And I don't mean that in terms of like make huge mistakes, but again, I want to be super intentional with the time that we have with them and ensuring that when they leave our home, that they are prepared for this thing called life because life can be a challenge. Life can be difficult. And I want to make sure that they're prepared and they have the tools and the resources to make it on their own, be successful in this life. Yeah. I don't have any children myself, but I have a stepson and I have a nephew that lived with me for a year And they're their own people, right? They have their own personality. And how do you nurture that, but also keep some sort of consistency or pattern that they can recognize? And also, you know, at times you do have to say, hey, this is not acceptable, right? And so I think it's a fine line between really being a parent that is open and kind of lets their child explore, but also how do you set those boundaries? So they're also understand, you know, what is um, not right to do as a human. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the biggest challenges for parents would be to teach your children to think, not to teach them what to think. And I think so often our natural tendency is we want to teach our children or even those around us, we want to teach them exactly what to think, exactly what to say, exactly what to do. Because number one, that's safer for us as parents, right? They're not going to embarrass us. They're not going to go against what we think or what we believe. But I think setting them up for success means teaching them how to actually think for themselves and make decisions for themselves. We thank our sponsor, BespokeBranding.io. Tailored branding to reach your ideal client. Gain a deeper level of understanding to empower your brand and purpose and rule the market. We know what it's like to journey from a place of feeling overwhelmed and undervalued to being powerful, understood, and authentic. Your brand identity allows you to live your purpose. The Brand Therapist has 20 years of branding and design experience 
has transformed billion dollar brands and has eight plus years of guiding women entrepreneurs to realize their potential. I invite you to take the brand quiz and you can find it at www.bespokebranding.io. Tell me a time where you felt you were held back by some of maybe your own thinking and how you broke away from that to get to where you are today. I think the biggest aha for me was this realization that just because you hold on to or had a certain belief that that belief or even that personality, right? The way that I would describe myself previously, maybe I used to believe that that was permanent. And what I've discovered is that our personalities, our beliefs don't have to be permanent. And an example for me, it's just a simple example, but for 39 years of my life, I was not a runner. I thought people who ran were kind of stupid. Like, don't you have something better to do? Like in their other physical activity that you could do besides go run. And then I started running when I was 39 years old. And so now my identity has shifted from someone who thought runners were stupid to I'm now a runner, right? And so this one silly example though, has profound impact on all the other areas of my life, right? Because if I held that belief for 39 years, that I was not a runner, that I could not run, that running was stupid. And now that belief has completely shifted to the, the you know 180 degrees different. What other things am I holding on to that may be limiting my potential as a human being? Oh, I love that. You're so right. You know, I think a lot of times we tend to put these limiting beliefs in our head that we don't even know that they're limiting, right? We don't even know that we put them in our in our heads. Uh, sometimes I, I tell my husband when he comes, you know, he's like, oh, I have this pain here. I'm like, think positive. Like, what would you say if you didn't have pain? You know, try to get him off that mindset of pain so he can think of the good things that he has. And, you know, and I try to watch that out for myself too. Not that I always do, but, you know, it's always good to kind of keep that in the forefront. And I love that you're doing that kind of work. So let me ask you, you know, you you spoke about you were a little stubborn and maybe, you know, you tried things on your own before you actually asked for help. We all kind of need these mentors in our lives. I'm sure you've been a mentor yourself. So tell me about a mentor of yours or a guide or whatever you want to call it. Some people don't like the word mentor. And how did that help you get to where you are today? Absolutely. So I I love this question because I'm a huge believer in the power of mentors or coaches in our lives. And so in the very early days of this company, of Ugly Mug Marketing, I bootstrapped this company. In other words, I self-funded this company. And there were some very, very lean first years in this company. And at the time, we just had our third child. My wife and I had our third child. Um, And in starting this company, we had made a lot of sacrifices intentionally to start this company. So we sold a big house that we had. We'd sold a bunch of land that we owned. We'd sold our new vehicles. We'd sold our boat. We'd basically sold everything to be able to give this business a chance. And what I quickly realized was that I needed a coach. I needed someone to give me guidance, to help me see things that I couldn't see myself. And so my wife and I had this conversation and without going way crazy into the story, but 
we had a van at the time. We'd sold our new vehicles and we, we bought this really old used van and it was her vehicle and it needed a transmission. Now it was still functional. It was still drivable, but we couldn't take it on any trips and it wasn't really safe for going anywhere, you know, outside of town in case there was an issue in case it got stranded. And so we really needed to get that fixed, but it was going to be very expensive to do. At the same time, I've got this business that's floundering, that's trying to grow and I'm trying to get it off the ground. And I just knew I needed a coach. I knew I needed someone to point out things to me that I couldn't see. And so we had this talk and we came to the decision that we were going to not fix the van for now and that instead we were going to hire a coach or I was going to hire a coach. And it was a huge sacrifice to choose to pay someone to come in and give me advice at a time when honestly we didn't really have the money, right? There was other things that were pressing. And so I'm a firm believer that you should always have mentors. You should always have coaches. My opinion is you need someone who's going to tell you the truth, right? You don't want someone who's just going to pat you on the back and say you're doing a great job when maybe you're not. Now, th there's room for encouragement and motivation, all those things. Absolutely. But at the same time, a coach is going to help us improve on the things that may be tripping us up. So long answer to your question, but I'm a huge believer. And my first coach, his name was Lawrence. And he made a profound impact in my life and specifically around this idea of beliefs that we talked about earlier, shifting my beliefs about who I was and what was possible for myself. Yeah, that is really great because I remember my first coach and I didn't really think I needed a coach and I didn't really understand the concept of, of a coach. I was working in corporate and I was going through some difficult things and she really helped me kind of take a direction in my life and really opened up the possibilities for me. I didn't just tiptoe into it. I went all the way into it. So I do also believe in coaches and mentors and guides because a lot of times we don't want to ask for help and we don't even know that we need help. And so they kind of open up and say, hey, why haven't you done this? And I'm like, oh, well, that's a really good idea. I hadn't even thought about it. So I, lo I love, love that. So tell me three lessons learned. There's so many lessons. Uh, number one would be that failure is the best teacher, but yet we do everything in our power to avoid failure. Now, I'm not saying we should go out and fail intentionally, but sometimes we need to, if we've already kind of failed, but we're trying to do everything in our power to pad that failure and hide that failure, sometimes we just need to face it and learn the lessons from it. So number one is that failure is often our best teacher. Once you get past the failure, everything else seems to get easier. Lesson number two would be this, that there's a big difference between advice and opinion. In the early days of my business, I didn't understand that difference. So when I would encounter a problem or even have an opportunity that I was considering, I would go to people and they would give me their input. And I assumed that their input was good, solid advice because after all, these are people who love me, people who cared about me, people who wanted me to succeed. And yet... They were just giving me opinion. And so what I've learned for me personally is that there's really three types of people who I need to go to for advice. Number one, it's someone who's been there, done that. So depending on the situation, I want to find somebody who's been through that situation, who's done what I'm trying to do. Number two, somebody who witnessed that situation firsthand. So maybe they weren't the one that went through it, but they were there, right? They were in the room. So maybe it's not the entrepreneur, but maybe it's the CFO who was there, or maybe it's the assistant who was there, who had a first person perspective into what was going on. 
And then the third type of person is someone who's a world-class expert, right? Somebody who has studied and poured their lives into the thing that you're trying to overcome or do. So that was lesson number two, advice versus opinion. And then the third one is just simply this, that for so much of what we do in business and what we do in life, this analogy is, a maybe it sounds terrible initially, but I heard this one time, somebody said that, you know, in our businesses, no small children are going to die. When we encounter a problem or when we encounter an obstacle, sometimes we make it seem so large and so terrible and so like the world is falling apart, right? Everything is doom and gloom. And this person brought this up and basically said, look, you're not in a situation where little children's lives are in your hand every day and a mistake is going to cost someone their lives. So when I hear that, it just puts everything in perspective for me. It's like sometimes we over-dramatize. I know I'm guilty of this, right? Over-dramatizing the situation and the complexity of the situation. And so that little lesson has just helped me stay focused on the fact that, you know what, this is figure outable. We're going to work through this. It's not as bad as it probably seems. Yeah, that's great advice. It's true. Sometimes we we over-dramatize it in our head. And then when we actually do it, it's not as bad as we, you know, put it to be or as difficult. You know, I had all these things actually that I I have on my list and I'm like, how am I going to get all this done in like three days? And now I'm almost done. I have a few more, but it's like we put it in our head and then we complicate it ourselves. It's not that it's really complicated. It's just we do all these different things to ourselves. But knowing that and understanding that really is helpful because then when it happens again, you can kind of be like, oh, this is going to be fine. We're going to get through it. Everything's going to settle in the way that it needs to. But in that point, I want to ask you, do you have a fame story to share with us? Yeah, I think for me, you know, first of all, from a small town population where I grew up across the river, it's about 13, 14,000, very small town where I am now at our office, population's 48,000, give or take. So very small, very rural, very Southern community. And I think so much of my life, so much of my business life, I had this idea that, you know, I could never be the person that successful people would come to for marketing advice, for business advice, because who am I? I'm just this guy from this small little town and there's New York, there's California, there's these people in these big cities with these big reputations and they've done so many amazing things. Who am I? And then what I noticed is that I started getting calls from people who I looked up to, who I really respected and not just me, but they were quote unquote, famous people. And so for me, it's when that began happening that I really began kind of this idea of that I don't have to necessarily be the famous person, but if I can support those people and help them solve problems, like that's extremely fulfilling for me and for our company. I love it. So tell me, what's going to happen in 10 years from now for you? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Yeah, this is a tough question for me because on the the one hand, I am this entrepreneurial-minded person and love to think big, love creative ideas. But on the other hand, I think there's something so beautiful about being what I would call an incrementalist. And that is just this idea that the ultimate goal, I think maybe for me at this point, is to intentionally get a little bit better each and every day. And as, as simple as that sounds, it is so incredibly hard to do that. 
day in and day out. And that's why I, I truly believe that consistency in our lives and in our businesses, consistency is what creates those miracles. So that may be a cop-out answer to your question, but what I would say is that, you know, I just want to improve in all of these areas of my life, right? So I want to be in 10 years, I want to be a better husband than I am today. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better leader, a better marketer. And it's all these incremental steps that if I do those day in and day out, will lead me somewhere remarkable, I believe, within 10 years. That's beautiful. Beautifully said. And I think, you know, I wish that more people kind of thought like that. I always put a vision out there for myself. And then the year after, I'm like, oh, I don't know if that vision is right. I'm going to have to shift it. I have to move it. And so the term that you mentioned, incrementalist, is kind of an interesting way of looking at it because it kind of gives you the opportunity to pivot, to move, to change, to look at things differently. That is a beautiful way to kind of get to how can we get in touch with you? How can people reach out to you? Where can they find you? Where are you? The simplest place is our website. That's just uglymugmarketing.com. All of our links to social, email, phone numbers, all that stuff is there. I'm most prominent personally, um, which is a lot of business related stuff, but on Instagram, and that's at fire yourself. At fire yourself. You are really a rebel. So as we look at, I have a framework that I put together and it talks about primary and secondary archetypes. So if you're a hero as a primary, you probably have an outlaw as a secondary archetype. That's really, really interesting because I love that fire yourself. Well, I will definitely after this podcast, will sign up and look at your Instagram because I love what you're doing and what you're talking about there. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Wayne, for being on my couch today on the Brand Therapist podcast. And we are looking forward to see those micro changes maybe in the future and see where you're at. Sounds great. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I've greatly enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you for listening to The Brand Therapist. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. If you would like to connect on social, you can find me at Yamoka Rodriguez Branding or bespokebranding.io. And if you would like to do the brand character quiz, go to bespokebranding.io and click on brand quiz. Or you can email me at yamilka at yamilka.com. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode.